What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome, everybody, to our pitch for Man of Steel 2. Thank you for joining us here today. I am Andrew, and I'm joined by... And this is Ben, and for those who don't know us, we are the podcast Superhero Stuff You Should Know. We dive into comic book movies like Man of Steel, Batman vs. Superman, the upcoming Justice League, and we go into comic book connections, themes, and little-known facts. Given our knowledge of these movies and these characters, we thought it'd be fun to share how we'd picture the next Superman solo movie going. So let's get right into it, okay? Okay, so this is a Man of Steel sequel. We want to have the same cast. We'd bring Henry Cavill in again. My man Hank. <laughs> Amy Adams. First I've heard of him referred that way. <laughs> Hank Cavill. We're putting it back in. Larry Fishburne. Larry Fish. Larry Fish. Russell Crowe. Everybody. Sorry, Michael Shannon, but you died. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> he did. He did. And the suit would be pretty much similar to what we saw in Man of Steel already. So we're going to keep all those things, okay? We will not be bringing back Lex Luthor. He's been overdone, as people have complained anyway. We want to bring a Superman villain that no one has done before for live action. In the first act of this movie, it starts out with Clark sort of wrestling internally with what his father, Jor-El, told him in Man of Steel. That he wrestles with that line, you can save them, you can save them all. Superman, Clark Kent, he wonders to himself, what did he really mean by this? Am I crazy? Why do I keep thinking of this? Why can I not get this out of my head? And when we look over Metropolis, this is definitely a type of city ripe for being saved at the moment. It's kind of become a cynical place, somewhat divided, probably because of all the disasters that have been happening uh, in the past few movies that have been in there. So people are really only out for themselves. We see them get into fights steal there are witnesses and just nobody really cares they just sort of ignore it it's not quite gotham level but it's just kind of more it's less of a seedy corrupt place and more of just general apathy that's there if there's lost tourists no one's around to help them nobody mugs them but no one's around to help them uh, people are kind of just done with uh, helping each other and again the city is right for a hero to give them hope and that hero arrives in the form of metallo that's right everybody metallo Metallo is introduced as the man of tomorrow. So who would be Metallo in this version, Andrew? Who would be Metallo in this version? Maybe a John Hamm type. Perhaps a San Rockwell. We don't have that particularly planned out at the moment, but somebody that is kind of Superman-like. As Ben has told me before, Snyder was rumored to have wanted Metallo in Batman vs. Superman, even so far as there have been concept designs leaked online 
who is Metallo when it comes to this version of Man of Tomorrow? Often in the animated series and other, even some comics, Metallo is often used as a thug for Lex Luthor, but we kind of want to reimagine him, make him more of his own villain. Kind of like how after years of Bane, Bane kind of being sort of just a thug, Nolan kind of elevated him back to being main villain status in Nightfall. We want to do a similar thing with Metallo here. Uh, part of the plot is simply finding out who he is, and that's going to involve both Clark and Lois Lane working together at the Daily Planet to investigate who is Metallo, why was he created, what's going on here. We haven't actually seen these versions of Lois and Clark work together as reporters before. We've seen plenty of Lois do her own investigation, Clark do a separate investigation in the Ultimate Edition of Batman vs. Superman. It's time to see them actually play off each other and see a little bit more of what people know of Clark Kent the reporter, address what other people's perception of Clark is since we haven't had a chance to really explore much of that so far. Just to be clear, we're not asking him to be a Christopher Reeve clone, but it would be a good idea to get a good distinction between Clark Kent the reporter and Superman. Exactly. So again, we don't want to see Cavill bumping into a whole bunch of people knocking over desks and all that stuff. We've seen that before. It was fine in the Christopher Reeve stuff. It's time for a new update. Journalism is definitely a hot topic in this day and age, and so that makes Clark Kent even more relevant than ever. So, again, not Christopher Reeve, but maybe something closer to the old radio series or the George Reeve show, where he's still a crusading reporter, still up to get the truth, still determined, but believable enough so that people just don't see him as Superman in glasses. So that's kind of what we wanted to do in order to give Clark a role. Of course, through this investigation, you might already know what they're going to find out, because you know comics, but we find out that Metallo is John Corbin, who, like in the Secret Origin DC Comics, uh, is a war hero. He's from the army. However, unlike that version, we're making him a little bit more morally ambiguous. He's not automatically created as some sort of weapon against Superman. In fact, he's a fan of Superman. He wants to help Superman, and he wants to help him defend the city. He was one of, he's basically the one of the lone survivors of the Doomsday Attack. Doomsday attacked all these helicopters before fighting Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman in Batman vs. Superman. Corbin is one of the lone survivors of that, and after his injuries, Star Labs helped sort of hook him up with all these enhancements to allow him to defend Metropolis alongside Superman and help him fight. So unlike the comics, there's no evil intent behind Metallo yet. Uh, but he simply wants to help Superman and represents almost like our way, the human's way, to try to measure up to Superman and help him out. And Star Labs uh, is sort of building off of what Dr. Stone did with Cyborg, except unlike Dr. Stone, they don't have the mother box anymore. After Justice League, that's all gone, so the technology isn't as good, which means that Metallo has one weakness right now. So like in the comics, Metallo is powered by uranium. But... At first. At first. But he has to go get recharged every 24 hours or else he'll power down. He'll start to lose some energy. The juice doesn't last that long. This brings us into the second act, Ben. Yes. And at this point, Superman and Metallo get along great. They're taking out small criminals at this time. And one of the small criminals that's maybe not so small that we come to find out is Inner Gang. So Inner Gang is using alien tech and alien weapons. So some might be coming from Darkseid, some might be leftover stuff from all the different invasions that have been left behind, but Inner Gang is basically regular criminals, but with souped-up weapons. Here, they're a similar organization who figure out that the only way to sort of maintain their rule over Metropolis is to take out Superman, and they know of Superman's one weakness because it's one of the things that had nearly killed him. And if we think about this continuity, we never saw what happened to the Kryptonite after Superman used it, the spear, to kill Doomsday. 
So we're going to pick up that plot thread and show that Inner Gang is after the Kryptonite so they can take out Superman. They don't care who they have to kill in order to get it, so they attack Star Labs and leave a few bodies behind, which rattles both Superman and Metallo. Metallo especially because those are some of the scientists who helped put him together and gave him a new lease on life. So then Inner Gang gets the Kryptonite. Superman is nearly incapacitated by it, but then Metallo wants to exact justice for Star Labs. He ends up killing most of them, but some survive barely. Metallo himself barely survives because his uranium energy almost runs out at this point. So it's almost a huge life or death situation, but we're only in, say, the middle of the movie at this point. Metallo nearly dies, Superman nearly dies, but the inner gang members have been killed off for the most part. And Superman, in witnessing this, is somewhat distraught because he's sort of seen the worst of humanity in inner gang as well as what Metallo has just done. But what is surprising to him, and the most disheartening part to him, isn't necessarily that Metallo did that, because he's been exposed to that side of vigilantism before, but because people like that Metallo has done this, and they start to see no need for this overpowered Boy Scout any longer. In fact, when Inner Gang is executed by Metallo, the crowd cheers. And at this point, they defeated Inner Gang, but as I said before, Metallo is really run out of juice. He needs more uranium. So then at this point, he notices that Kryptonite powers him way more than uranium does. He puts it in his chest. He doesn't really know exactly what's going to do to him, but he feels a huge energy boost, so he just does it anyway. So then in a later scene, Metallo goes to an amputee ward, asking people if they want to join him as the new future of humanity. And of course, many sign up. At this point, we have the appearance of what we're calling the Metallo Militia. Now, Superman at first doesn't see this as a whole group of supervillains, because again, he hasn't read Superman comics. He's in our version of the story. So even though Metallo did execute Inner Gang, he still thinks that there's a chance to sort of guide them towards his way of doing things. The problem is that Metallo is too far gone at this point. He thinks that Superman is jealous here. He thinks that he's trying to control his guys. Suddenly, being Metallo is no longer about helping Superman. It's about replacing Superman. Metallo and his team turn on him because they feel that the world doesn't need him anymore. They feel that Superman trying to turn them back human makes him seem jealous of them. It makes Superman seem jealous. They don't like that. Metallo and his Metallo men, or Metallo militia, will go with either at this point. They see themselves as the future of humanity. They see themselves as the singularity, if you will. Man and machine have combined, and this is the singularity for them. They are a new epoch for mankind. Also thematically, everyone in this universe starts to feel that there are so many threats on the rise. We had the Kryptonian invasion and Man of Steel. We had Doomsday. We had the Steppenwolf invasion that the Justice League stepped in. Now there's Inner Gang. They can't rely just on superheroes anymore. Human beings have to sort of defend themselves, rely on themselves. And the only way to do that is to weaponize themselves, to enhance themselves, to give them more power. And that's what Corbin is. Metallo is the future of humanity. While all this is happening, we reveal that there are still some surviving members of Inner Gang, and they want revenge on Corbin. But we'll get back to them in a moment. So Clark sees what's going on. He sees where this is headed, and he knows it's going to be bad news. And he thinks that he has to at least try and show them another way. So the next time that he stops a disaster or a major crime, he wraps up the conflict publicly and shows, hey, I did this with no lives lost. Everyone was saved. Everything's okay. You can still 
do this. You can still, you know, there's still a way back. But Corbin and the Metallo militia arrive, and Corbin himself executes the leader of the criminals. Enraged by this, Superman ends up punching Metallo, the hero of Metropolis, the man of tomorrow, in front of the whole city. And when everyone witnesses this, Metallo declares war on Superman. And just to cement that, he opens up his chest, revealing that he has the kryptonite. Everyone else on his militia is powered by uranium, but he's got the rest of the remnants of the spear. So he doesn't want to kill Superman, though. Out of respect for their history, and because Superman was his original inspiration for him, he lets him off of a warning, and basically says, stay out of my way. So Metropolis is divided in who they're rooting for. A lot of people still have loyalty to Superman, like the people of the Daily Planet, but other people see that Metallo is the way of the future, that you know they need somebody who's willing to take out the trash, so to speak, on it, and this is the, the future of how they're going to defend themselves, and so they side with Metallo as well. All of Metropolis is probably more divided than ever. And Superman goes home to Lois, and even she's worried. Not necessarily worried that Metallo has kryptonite and can kill Superman, because there's probably a way to defeat that still, but she's more worried that Metallo is right. She's worried that Superman is actually in the wrong on this, that maybe, you know, they're right, he can't be everywhere. People seem to want Metallo. There's more than one guy in this. There's a whole militia of them. And the streets, let's face it, are safer with inner gang out of the picture. But Clark tells Lois, I have to show them another way. And if it's starting to sound familiar to people, the answer is yes, we are doing a form of Superman versus the Elite here, but with Metallo instead. And we have a few twists on that coming up. So if you're not familiar with that, stay tuned and you'll find out what elements those are going to be. Indeed, Ben. And that leads us to the third act, in which Superman goes to confront the Metallo militia. But unbeknownst to either party, the inner gang is about to set off a bomb in Metropolis. Indeed. But with neither party knowing that's about to happen, we are instead having a fight. Metallo and the Metallo Militia see Superman is coming, and Corbin himself says, well, I warned him, and he sends his men to fight Superman to wear him down before planning to hit him with the kryptonite. Superman fights them, but holds back from killing them, because he still thinks he can get through to them. And Corbin brings up, well, see, that's where you've already lost, because we're willing to do what you won't. And Superman is pretty much nearly outnumbered by the Metallo Militia, Corbin arrives to deal the final blow, prepares to open up his chest to expose the kryptonite, only to find that he can't. It's been welded shut. In fact, it's very hot to the touch. It's been welded shut by heat vision. As he looks down at Superman, believing that he's beaten, Superman looks up and smiles. See, Superman this whole time has been fighting the Metallo Militia, but he's also secretly been using the heat vision in very microscopic ways to sort of weld the chest shut. And this whole time, when Corbin thought his men were wearing down Superman, Superman was wearing them down instead. Suddenly, Superman super speeds away. And if you're an audience member frustrated by how Superman might be too much of a Boy Scout, Superman might be, you know, getting his ass beat in fights, this sequence is for you. Release the Kraken! So the Metallo Militia scanned the area to see where Superman went, and Corbin hears Superman say, I get it now. I made the mistake of treating you like people. So thank you for showing me the way. And suddenly, zoom, one guy gets picked off. Another guy gets picked off. They all start disappearing around Corbin. This Metallo militia seems to be disappearing left and right. This Superman has clearly learned a thing or two from Affleck's Batman. And you hear screams. And Corbin's firing weapons all over the place trying to get the Superman. And he hears this huge hunk of metal drop. It's a cube of scrap metal. And it's covered in blood. And then there's another cube. And another cube. And suddenly Corbin realizes Superman is now homicidal. He's starting to kill off all his men. 
And terrified of this, he starts broadcasting this to the rest of the world through the technology that he's been attached to. And everyone else in the world is terrified as he is. Superman has now gone rogue. And as a red-eyed Superman grabs him, he says, Tell me, how does it feel to watch your dreams die? And Metallo begs him, Man Metallo begs back to him, Superman, you don't do this. And in the last-ditch effort, he brings up, Hey, like I'm filming this whole thing. Everyone can see that you're a fraud now. And Superman says that he doesn't care. Metallo then says, You can't do this! You're not God! And then Superman responds, I know, and neither are you. And then Superman suddenly releases a grip on Metallo. And Metallo is confused, like, what are you talking about? And Superman brings up, your men are fine, by the way. All it took was a few pieces of scrap metal and some fake blood enough to spook you. And he super speeds away and he brings back all the Metallo militia. Because honestly, you didn't think that we were really going to have Superman turn into a homicidal maniac in this, did you? So, all of them are now in pain, but all of them are alive. And he brings up that he was showing Metallo just a taste of what they could become when they're out of control. That everyone thinks Superman, or being Superman, is about flying. It's about super strength. It's about heat vision. It's about all the powers. It's not about power. Being a hero isn't about power. It's about setting the example. And making it about power, like what Metallo and the Metallo Militia are going to do, is just setting up humanity for a never-ending arms race. A cycle of violence. The entire Metallo Militia hears this from Superman, including Corbin, and he slowly turns them to his side. So, yes, we basically just did Superman vs. the Elite with Metallo, but we're not done with this movie. At this point, the surviving members of Inner Gang choose now to attack. They're threatening to set off a bomb in Metropolis if Metallo doesn't hand over the kryptonite to them, basically pull it out of his chest and give it to them. Superman decides, okay, you guys have learned your lesson. Whether you're with me or not, I have to stop Inner Gang. And he flies off, and as he's flying, he thinks that he's alone, and he's used to that, until he hears a noise behind him, and he turns around, and he sees that the Metallo men are behind him. And this time, it's Superman, with all the Metallo militia, going up against Inner Gang, and he's leading them into the fight. So, uh, together, they all help clear out the civilians in that surrounding area. Uh, Lois is there with Perry and probably Jenny. All the Daily Planet people are there to cover the story. Corbin and Superman work together to stop Inner Gang. When it comes to taking care of the bomb, they're left with a choice because you still have remaining survivors and you have the bomb. Corbin knows Superman has super speed. Superman is the only one fast enough to save these hostages. So he tells Superman to save the people and he's got it from here and he grabs the bomb and before Superman can object, Metallo goes off and blows up with the bomb, sacrificing himself and saving everyone. Because as Superman had told him, it's not about the power. It's about setting the example. And Metallo dies being the hero that he had always wanted to be. The Metallo men make an agreement to de-robotify with Star Labs, but they are able to keep the enhanced prosthetics. They just lose the powers. However, one of them keeps the enhancement so he can help out Superman from time to time. It is revealed that his name is John Henry Irons, a.k.a. Steel. And not the Shaq version. <laughs> So then we lead into the epilogue of the film. And I'm sorry, Lois, but we've already heard you write. We already heard some of your pieces in some of the other films and stuff like that. I think it's time for us to hear how Clark writes for the Daily Planet. So at this point, the narration is Clark narrating a piece that he's written for the Daily Planet. The title of this piece is Man of Tomorrow. And in this, we're going to kind of really basically spell out the meaning of the whole thing. Clark writes, the man of tomorrow wasn't Metallo. It's not even Superman. 
The man of tomorrow is mankind itself. Superman is just the light to show the way, as Brando's Jor-El said. And with this, we complete Superman's character arc because he learns what his father was saying, what Russell Crowe Jor-El was saying, what he was wrestling with in the beginning of the film whenever he said, you can save them, you can save them all. You see, it's not about saving them physically. That's what he thought, uh, thought at first. He thought it was a physically saving people, but that's not what it is. The symbol on his chest, you save people by hope, and I kind of see Superman as like a turning point for mankind. It's not about being the person who solves everyone's problems. It's about inspiring people with the strength to solve their own. And so we end with a montage as a bookend with Metropolis, and now people are more unified. The people who are apathetic are now helping each other out. There are now people helping out the tourists. Uh, the people who, who are at odds before are now working together and helping each other. And this is sort of, it's not going to be perfect. It's not a utopia. We don't want to make it too cheesy or schmaltzy. But it is the beginning of a new dawn and a new hope brought about because of Clark. Brought about by Superman. And it shows that the real man of tomorrow is us. And that's pretty much the end of the movie. But we wanted to go over some of the thematic elements here just a, a little extra as part of our pitch. So, personally, I see Superman as sort of related to Star Trek, actually, as far as Star Trek is what's known as positive sci-fi by some people, and I see Superman as that, too. He is sci-fi. There's aliens, there's spaceships, and things like that. But it's not negative like maybe The Matrix is or something like that. This is positive sci-fi. We see the future as something that could be bright if we just think of it that way. And another influence I have for this is 2001. Superman is almost like the monolith that changes the uh, early apes in that film. In this, Superman is almost kind of a monolith in some way. Like, Superman changes humanity for the better. It's a turning point. I know this is a big theme, but I think Superman can handle it as a character. So we kind of view this, since it's named Man of Tomorrow, that Superman sort of starts a chain reaction in humanity. And it's a change for the good. It's a change for positive, positivity overall. Indirectly, maybe, because it's, a symbol, it's all about the symbol of hope, but it's there. It's just that powerful. It's also a meta-commentary, in a way, for a couple things. A lot of it is because of people's skepticism today about whether Superman is relevant. You always hear like, oh, he's boring. He's all about his powers. And we give him a story that makes him more relatable or talks about that very issue on it. Metallo is kind of the example of the, the cool hero of today that uh, a lot of people would almost rather root for. And we sort of give Superman a nice way to take that power back in a way without really using a lot of his own power physically, but more about using the power of his own compassion, the power of his own character just to see why Superman is still relevant. Of course, we're drawing a lot from what Joe Kelly did with Superman versus the Elite movie, as well as the comic it was based on, What's So Funny About Truth, Justice, and the American Way, and that's why we sort of liberally borrowed some parts from it, but combined it with Metallo because of the fact that Metallo is a bigger Superman villain, as well as somebody who uh, is probably more, uh, fits better into the universe that we've already seen, as opposed to a telepathic British dude. We are borrowing a lot from Superman vs. the Elite, like he just said, but I don't think there's a live-action superhero movie out there that doesn't borrow from some previous source, whether it be a comic or an animated feature or what have you. We also think that Superman vs. the Elite 
is possibly the best animated movie for Superman that's ever been made so far. The reason for this is the elite, the villains in Superman vs. the Elite, go against Superman's themes and his morals directly. And that's what makes that movie so powerful. Uh, there's also a meta-commentary, I realized, where it's addressing a lot of people's criticisms of this specific version of Superman. Some say that the Cavill version is, you know, not good or pure enough or that he doesn't smile enough or he's too evil and stuff. And we actually show the contrast. We actually show him being like that or make you think that he's like that for a little bit just to show, like, no, that's what he would be like if he was like that. And then bring him, we dial him back in to be like, no, this is who Superman really is. And he's still Superman. He's still, you know, even though he, this is an interpretation, he's still the Superman you know and love. It's a different type of world than what you might be used to, a different interpretation than what you're used to, but it still is the same character, and he still stands for the same things that you're used to in all the other interpretations. And just to talk about themes just one last time, I think this should be part of this movie, but also basically any Superman movie. Uh, you know, anytime you talk about Superman, I think especially, you want to... You know, the scripture talk about what is human kindness? How much, how important is that? What is goodness? How important are morals? How much do we need all that stuff? And then one last thing that's not about themes is we want to have this be a little bit more quippy. Maybe not to Spider-Man level, but we, you know, more like Superman the Animated Series did a lot of the time. We want to have Superman just say a few funny lines here and there. It still fit with the character. It's been a part of Superman's history. And we just think that injecting a little bit more humor into some of his lines as Superman is important, I think. There's one moment in Superman the Animated Series in which a robot asks him at the door, friend or foe, and Superman flies in and just lasers the robot, and he just answers, foe, and just flies on in. And I think that could add a lot. That can make Superman seem a little bit less stiff, a little bit more fun and I think people would enjoy that and it's not out of character for him at all. So we hope you enjoyed this. Let us know in the comments if you want to see more videos like this. We release a podcast every Monday and we have a Patreon episode every Friday. So please check that out. Thanks for watching and this is Andrew signing off. And this is Ben signing off. listening to the Geekscape Network.